Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Knit British podcast. Knit British supports wool that's been grown, spun or dyed in the UK. And I'm your host, Louise Scully. In this special episode, I go to Jimison's of Shetland and get a lock-in in their newly refurbished shop. So grab a whip, grab a drink, grab your conversational Shetland dictionary <laughs> and let's go. A few weeks ago, I was treated to a lock-in of sorts in one of Shetland's, well, if it's not the oldest, it's certainly one of the most well-established wool shops in Shetland. Jimison's of Shetland is a family-owned business specialising in the native Shetland wool for five generations. Starting in the 1890s with a shop which, which bought and sold Shetland knitwear, to over the centuries it's become a wool broker, a successful knitwear company and finally Shetland's only commercial spinning mill. Add to that the retail shop and their online shop all of which are still going very strong today and I met with Gary who is the fifth generation Jimison and himself and Lizzie Ratter who runs the shop in Lyrewick were kind enough to let us have a little peek around their newly refurbished shop. For anyone who's been to Shetland at Wool Week or is familiar with the shop, it had, it's fair to say, a, a sort of late 70s chic. He had a question mark there. And it's recently had a major overhaul, which has been work of a, of a couple of years actually which has culminated in the most recent development which is the refurbishment of the main shop itself. So here's Gary to talk a little bit or I should say a pretty bit as you're going to hear a lot of Shetland dialect in this episode and sorry there are no subtitles so you'll just have to listen and enjoy and imagine all the wool. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gary's going to talk a little bit about the history of the Jimison's of Shetland shop and of the amazing refurbishments as I say. By the way some of the refurbishing is still going on upstairs. Gary's dad, the CEO of the company, <laughs> is was working on a wall so you'll hear the odd bang and if you if you think that's unusual that the CEO of the company is taking on the refurbishing himself then you really haven't heard anything yet because through this interview you'll realise that the work that goes on at Jimison's of Shetland really is a family affair. And we moved in here like 40 odd year ago. This is the third shop in Larrook. The first thing was on South Commercial Street which was demolished. Church Church Street. Street. Church. So that, that building was gone. The um, second shop was next to the Bank of it's Scotland. underneath the bank actually. It was like where the Bank of Scotland buildings is. Um, there was actually a, a chemist shop in there first. The work top on our counter is still from that chemist shop. That's lovely. Kind of kept the old counter top. Um, so it's been where it was for a lot of years. Mm. Um, and then we bought this building. Mm -hmm. This was actually a house. And then mm. we moved in uh, at that time. We, it did get a fair bit of refurbishment at that time. Mm -hmm. um, but the shop floor, maybe not so much, because obviously it was originally a shop. Mm. Um, so it was kind of almost ready to go. Um, but up the stairs where we do a lot of the for storage and assembly work of the knitwear and things. That got a fair bit of, 
Erbith or refurbishment. Yeah. And there's actually a grey area list that built. <laughs> yeah. But there's um, perhaps this building that's for the early 18th century, mm -hmm. like yeah. the 1720s. Yeah, something, something like wow. that. Wow. Yumbagwa, which is about four feet wide, is is the oldest bit. Oh no, we hate oh, historic dead. Scotland. <laughs> really? Back the whole way. Yeah. yeah. To the point where there's a single glazed window still yeah. less than me. It's the same listing on this as there is in Edinburgh Castle, so you can imagine. <laughs> Quite <laughs> and, and, rightly. And, and, at times you would swear we had been doing up Edinburgh Castle, but no, to be fair, we, we, we were given a lot of help along the way, mm -hmm. um, and they were always very encouraging. I mean, yeah. and, you know, we've, we had his head like a pent a couple of times. And you've had, yeah, you've had a lot of scaffolding up, because the Fair Isle scaffolding, that thing has been my, my most shared <laughs> Pinterest pin ever, was that was Fair Isle scaffolding, it was brilliant. I got some mocking when I was sat on the we were invisible because yeah. the first year because it was two years to do the, the hardline because it was lime harl oh, lovely. Lime, yeah, <laughs> so the first year just coming up into you know coming up into tourist season coming up to wool week and, and everything else it's like well you can't see that we're here at all it's no. just about like scaffolding so i just put that on Brilliant. It was, it was genius. <laughs> no, it was a stroke of genius. And fuck, you know, something to speak about. And yeah. it caused a bit of hilarity, if nothing else, and the point and result. In terms of the inside, it feels so much bigger. It is bigger. There was a false wall, which Gary called the coconut shack. It's a, it was, yeah. It was, a bit, it was a bit kind of shoulder height, but it took, it was about a metre, metre and a half, mm -hmm. the shop that was just not usable. Plus the cupboards were twice as high and twice as wide. Yeah. So we've got so much more space now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. also the carousels with all the jumpers crammed in so you couldn't see what they were. You can just see them. You can see it. It's all <laughs> so lovely. I love the the wall of wool. At anybody Iron Festival, quite a few folk had said to me, "Have you been? Have you been in yet? Have you been?" But there's a wall of wool. And when I came in the other day, I was like, "Whoa! It's just lovely." No, I suppose you had it all on show before. It was difficult to display. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the, I mean, the old square pigeonhole on the yeah. right was designed to tack heads of wool. Because that's how it was sold then. Yeah. It was hides of wool um, and hanks and skeins. Um, and fewer colours. Yeah, and a lot fewer colours. Mm -hmm. And fewer yarn weights. I mean, we never had double knitting. Hmm. I mean, double knitting was something that only came in 10, 15 years ago for worse, worse sales. Um, and I mean, pigeonhole would have needed completely remade. Mm -hmm. And of course, when we moved to Bast, and they all used to rumble at the pigeonholes. <laughs> and it was a nightmare. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, there was 50 colours of double knitting we did in the Havout. There was probably. 10 colours or less we couldn't keep out. Mm -hmm. There was none of the chunky was out, the, the, the marl at all. We just had that up the stairs and there was the heather was out. <laughs> so, I mean, that's 48 different colours that we didn't have. Yeah. Um, and people are coming in going, oh my goodness, have you got all these new lace colours? Like, no, <laughs> because there was nowhere else to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so no. it, is made a, it is made a big difference. Yeah. And I mean, bars are really hard to display yeah. because they roll around. They're they really do. hard to get out of. And it was actually my mother that came up with this idea. She was, she couldn't sleep one night. And we're, we'd been discussing how we would display this stuff. And uh, at about three o'clock in the morning, she rose and she got through to the kitchen. She got a pan <laughs> and she stood there and she packed some bars in this pan and the next day she came to know, <laughs> brandishing a pan full of bars of wool would say, Sent me a photo. <laughs> we could, we could, if we could get rune things to keep it in, you see, and hence the, and the plastic circles. 
Yeah. And they're brilliant, and they're clear, and it adds mm-hmm. to the light hole, light to the place. Yeah. And it's, an ex- it's an excellent idea. A great idea, and it seems to have really worked. Yeah. And it also, God knows how, but we managed to fit it all on the one wow. Which yeah. We, so yeah. we're not allowed to change for shake yet, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... It somehow and completely flukily it fits perfectly, yeah. which should not have happened. Fold. It really does, but it did. Mm. Yeah, it's it's and it's very beckoning. Mm. It's very beckoning. Yeah. I think I think when uh, when uh, Will comes and you get all that they're going to go mental. They're going to go mental. Mm. They be, went mental before. You will be doing more living your shots. <laughs> and we also moved the kunder out the floor a bit yeah. to try and let Fock to get in well because it does make it a bit easier. No, I think it was almost like they were segregated for the yard, whereas now it's like please come in. Come in. Have a dig. Yeah. Yeah. As I mentioned already, Jamisons have the only woolen mill in Shetland. That's situated in the small village called Sanus on the west side of Shetland, which Gary says is pretty much the edge of the world. (laughs) The process the clip which comes in and it's processed, dyed, carded and spun into their vast array of weights and colours. And... They also run a successful knitwear business from the mill, as well as producing woven cloth. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot to look after. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's a crazy idea, my dad's really. Uh, well, no, actually, technically, it was my grandfather's idea. Um, and uh, when we started being just a wool broker, then uh, it was always sort of the dream to be able to sell a wholly made in Shetland yarn. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it wasn't until oh I don't know must have been about the time that we were doing this place up so sort of end of the 60s my father was just leaving the school mm-hmm. he'd been offered the job to go away and learn how to build aeroplanes or something you know and uh, and he turned it down he would have been yeah. <laughs> um, but he turned it down because um, they had the opportunity to, to set up an experimental mill in Sanus in the old U-shade that we had the old uh, Shade that we still use today, that's where we buy either clipping and we do either wool sorting and stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, being told that you couldn't spin Shetland fleece into yarn because it was too soft, um, he took that on the chin and, and they bought an old Kerner machine um, and they bought an old spinning frame and they hand washed some wool in a thing with an old hand mangled and mush the water out and they sprayed on Cairden oil with a lemonade bottle with two oils in the lid <laughs> you know, to say it was an experiment was an uh, understatement and then they really didn't know how to set up a Cairden machine but you know we have we have fair bit of head scratch and all the rest of it they got this thing up and running they managed to produce some rovings dangdot so then of course well how do you spin yarn? Um, now, my father had spent a pretty bit of time doing a side uh, Johnson's um, in the borders and seen a lot of the processing and, and things and sort of student watched. I think he was about three or four weeks doing there or something like that. So he had some idea how it should how it should look, mm-hmm. if not how to get it there. Um, and they managed to get a grain spun and, uh, and, of course, it was thick and thin and it was all out of shop. But they got it spun. Um, they really were starting for scratch. I mean, they didn't kind how to piece in on the on the spinning frame, which is like the first thing you have to learn when you start to spin is how to piece in. And, and my grandfather <laughs> got an old barrel <laughs> and he sat himself at the front of the spinning frame and he broke an end and he sat there and he just kept trying to tie it and kept trying for like a morning until, God. oh, he got it to work. 
<laughs> and then he had to think, now how did I do that? <laughs> so, so stop, stop the machine, kind of, and look, pull, pull it back till he saw how he'd managed to get the piece, and and you know, and it turns out that is the right way of doing it anyway. And it doesn't hurt that you come from a family of mechanical geniuses. Peter can fix. Peter can fix Anything, anything mechanical, and Gary can do pretty much anything with a computer, so it's fine. I've had no choice but to learn. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Did you did you think that be the fifth generation? No, uh, maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> I get away to university to do mechanical engineering, and I hated every second of it. Um, basically, because I was I was learning how to shuffle paper out of desk. It wasn't for me at all. Um, so I stopped going to uni and I went to college instead and I came to realise I was just going to shuffle a different kind of paper. I, no, this is not what I want to do. So I came home. I mean, I'd always rocked in the factory. I mean, I probably started going in there when I was like 12. Um, and I had a pretty good inkling that one day I would end up back there. And this is what I really wanted to do. So, And I mean, the factory, it, it's all started out quite small. I mean, when we first started, we had one curve and one spinning frame. Um, you know, I knew we had three. Um, and that was to keep up with demand, local demand, I might add. I mean, because we had a, a big customer here that used to buy knitting yarns for us. And we ran like 24 hours a day and we couldn't keep up with that demand. Um, you know, so we pay, we extend it twice. The factory's been extended twice and we've put in yet more machinery. Um, and then, of course, unfortunately, that company got bossed. So that left was in a pickle, as you would imagine. Mm -hmm. So we had to look at our whys. And that was really where the, the hand knitting yarn was born from. Because we had all this machinery, you know, we we buy in the wool and we wash it, and then we dye it and we we blind it, the color blind it, mm -hmm. and then it's cared it, spun and twist it up into however many plies we're wanting to do, um, and then it's either used in the knitting on the or indeed the weaving, or then it's again we we hank it back into good old fashioned big fat skeins and we get on the wash and that's reconned and then it's balled. Then it's bagged and packed and hopefully sent to you, sent to somebody. So I mean, there are an awful lot of things in yeah. there, a lot of hands to be, mm -hmm. to be touching it before you get to the where you're going. But I had always had an interest in mechanics and stuff. Fell off my first motorbike at nine and never looked back. And that kind of idea, and that's it, it's something that's kind of in you, I suppose. Do you think the wool is in the veins? I think it probably is. <laughs> Certainly, probably in the lungs, if not else. <laughs> um, and the cardin oil is in the dermatitis. But no, no, I'm only joking. Uh, it's um, no, we, we've you know, as a family, we it's a very much a family thing. Um, I work there <clears throat> full time, so is my mother and father. And I my sister is, is part time as well, but she did work full time before she became a full time mom. Um, <laughs> you know, our parents are all at school now, so she's able to come back to the factory and do a bit of work. And so, what size of workforce <clears> do you then? Between both companies, which is like the knitwear side of things and, mm. and the and the spinning mill, we have about forty on the books altogether. Oh, yeah. And we only ever meet at like Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not an intentional segregation. <laughs> Honest, no. I haven't been to the mill since I started working here. <laughs> How long was that? Three years. Three years. <laughs> I, I did before. I used to go with my mum from time to time, but I happen to be working every time that's open. Yeah. But once I go off on maternity leave, you're, I'm going to come back. Well, don't let it go for a I'm looking for ages. <laughs> and now, I, I appreciate this is, this is audio, and you can only imagine the wool and the colours and the wondrousness of Jimison's of Shetland. But I just wanted to pause a little bit before Gary and Lizzie talk a bit about the woven cloth produced at the mill. In this section, I mention some of the tweed capes and jackets that they have in the shop. These aren't on their website, so please look at these on um, the pictures in the show notes. They are 
so soft and drapey and the Shetland tweed really is a beautiful cloth and here's Gary to tell you a bit about it. It's a very traditional tweed, I think would be the way to put it. Um, what really makes word tweed different from anybody else's tweed is that it's actually made we knitting wool. I mean, normal weaving yarn has got a lot more twist yes. in it, so it's got a lot stronger and it's probably worse than spun. Um, especially if you're making kilts, it has to be worse than spun for that, that kind of thing. Um, so we kind of run the machinery very fast because it's soft, um, but of course that produces a lovely soft cloth at the end of the day. And I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, when you it's, see it made up into things, it's... It's really, with the, 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 the like, capes and the ponchos and things you have here, I think they're just spectacular. They're really, they look so different to any kind of, like, Harris tweed. They look like they have such more of a drape to them mm. and certainly yeah. look like they're softer. Harris tweed is a lot thicker. And it's, it's a, a lot, lot stronger. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the, the, we even feel... the way, they're, why they spin it, it's it's got a lot more twist in it, as I say. I mean, it's, it's made for weaving. Uh, they'd have basically, it's like a thicker warp with a thinner weft out of top, whereas we would use... A single ply of our spin drift is what we use to make our cloth. Wow. So, and, and unless, because we're doing like rugs and stuff, and then we use maybe three ply or, or the two ply, any wine that's our brush finish, so it mm. puffs up really puffs nice. Up. Three ply is double knitting, two ply is spin drift. Oh, yes, sorry. <laughs> the names means nothing to us. We just work with numbers as well. <laughs> Fuck, time to phone and all, all the things we names, and I, I'm sitting there racking my brain as to what number that is, because it's all, that's how we, how we do it in the factory. Well, well it's, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> do you deal a lot with the dyeing? Because that is one of my main jobs, is yeah, actually the dyeing. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of just happened that like, I came home <laughs> and the guy who was doing the dyeing had gotten another job and he was moving on. And we sort of looked at it and thought, well, it's, it's no really... If you brack up the colour blinding and the dyeing, it's no really a full-time job. Mm -hmm. It's something that I can come in in the morning and I put a dye on and it's bubbling away. And I can disappear and I can do whatever else needs done uh -huh. and I can come back again um, and check it, check the colour and if it's good to go, hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, then I can slip out the water and I can do other things. And you can do like two or three pans a day. Uh -huh. um, but, so it's a good job for me to do. Um, having said that, my time is becoming quite strained nowadays. I think Dad turned 60 last year uh -huh. and uh, he said, yeah, I can feel the pressure. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's still very much I would say not an eight till five man, more like an eight till midnight man. Uh, <laughs> he, I think he works longer hours now than he's ever he's ever. Oh. Worked. But it's you know it's really has been his life's work, and yeah. he's been at it. And well, he's been at it for he was twenty. Wow. Yeah. And uh, he's sixteen now, so he's been forty years in the trade, and he's we literally. I mean, the machinery that came to Shetland, there was nobody in Shetland that kinds how to set up a care machine. So that was the first yeah. thing we had to learn how to do. And it, it literally came in nuts and bolts in the back of a, back of a truck. And they lifted it into the fact that he started bolting it together. I would have so. just burst into tears. Yeah. <laughs> I think people thought he was absolutely mental. And I mean, at the time that he was buying up the machinery, I mean, it was all second-hand stuff we bought. Mm -hmm. when, when, we, when we were buying in second-hand machinery, a brand-new care machine was £3 million. That was in the 1980s. So as you can imagine, you didn't buy a brand-new care no. machine. No. You bought an ancient one, and you recovered the, the rollers, which we still have. Um, you know... It was just a non-starter. Isn't one of your Conan machines from like 1890 or something? No, it was actually the Warpen Bank uh, that we do the warps for the for the weaving on. He's 1896. Um, Still working. Yeah. 120 years old. Things just were made to last. Yeah. Oh, yeah. New. Yeah. 
gosh, you would buy something new and yeah. spend all that money on it, and you would spend just as much money every year, like they haven't it conditioned. And, sounds, uh, I mean, fast forward and to what we do. You wouldn't be able to fix it yeah. because you couldn't just like get somebody to mac a bit. Yeah, yeah. Or, no, actually, <laughs> you can't get anybody to mac a bit. We mac the bits. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> you get a gear wheel cut or something. But yeah, I mean. But fast forward to what we do with knitwear, and I mean, it's our computer-controlled knit yeah. machines. I mean, we buy, we have Shimasiki machines. I mean, that's 1990s technology. Yeah. Um, that what we're, what we're knitting on out there. But and you still need the hand. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah we well, still high of activity watching all that hand finishing going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's one thing we we we've got sort of, three yeah. to four women upstairs doing it here. We've got folk in their own houses still doing it, and they've got folk at Sanus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Lincoln was very much a bottleneck for us. We could have gone down the road. Uh, sewing stuff together nice and quick mm-hmm. um, but dad being dad he decided no he wanted to keep doing it traditionally um, and putting it together with a, with a linker or a binder as they're, as they're cutting the borders um, and we hopefully are producing <laughs> producing a good garment at the end of the day and it's because it, it stretches because it's yes. knitted we, it's knitted together yes. basically um, so it's got it's still got that same stretch in it as the rest of the, the rest of the garment does and, and the, the front next matches the, the back the thing that was really important is to make sure the patterns match in the oxter yeah. armpit for anybody who doesn't know what an oxter is um, <laughs> you know that's that's like yeah, silly yeah. pretty things it like that that's really really important you need the human element mm-hmm. there. You, it's kind yeah. of all done by the, the hood has to match there's nothing <laughs> I hate more than seeing somebody who's made like a hooded garment and the uh, fair isle doesn't just fairly match it that kills me <laughs> yeah. it doesn't finish on the middle of my yes yeah. on yeah I mean we, we do we're maybe a pretty bit uh, anal in that in that route is that we, we want to try and, and make sure it's as good as it can be quality control well we try to make as good a copy of a handmade jumper as yeah. possible and that's the idea Fair Isle knitting will always keep on moving and changing and evolving mm-hmm. with the knitwear side of things do you get a lot of call for you know different styles of- yeah I mean that's one of the things that we do mm-hmm. try to do is to keep we, we try to stick with a traditional pattern and then we try to put lots of different colour on it mm-hmm. and like hoods or yeah. pouch pockets or, you know, uh, we do these things with like belts on them and you, you can, and that's an awful lot of customer laid stuff. Yeah. And we also do some mental stuff for fuck one, like f- a different back to a different sleeve to a, so these crazy that Japanese. Yes, like, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, the more bonkers it is, the better. Um, so the, yeah. Some of the colour wise that go down really well in Japan do not sell well in the mm-hmm. shop yeah. because they're like, I cannot, like, they're like, but why is there violet in this? <laughs> the Mimosa, which is the bright yellow, the bright yellow, <laughs> wow. is, was came from Misasato, didn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. uh, one of our it's big Japanese. Chihiro Sato's. Uh, yeah. uh, it was. That's, you would see in the dark. Well, but we I actually mean, use sounded... 400 yellow a lot. It's in grouse and it's in merry dancers and it's in like I actually dye a lot of wool 400 yellow and it goes into a lot of colour blends. So in order to make it into yarn, yeah. I was like, well, yeah, I dye it by the time anyway, so it's not a problem. That's gross. Yeah. Wow. There's four under the yellow in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can see like the yellow the here. You yeah. can. Wow. So they've all got Something on it, that in it. <laughs> that's amazing. So you can really see the kind of the... And that's the beauty the of doing... Yeah, the blending. Yeah. I mean, you can actually... Because if you if you tell somebody that you could probably put grouse next to four hundred yellow and a bit of fair, I'll be say what? Why? It's <laughs> absolutely crazy. Yeah. But actually, but when you lay the two colours together, they're not a million mile apart because there's some of that mm-hmm. colour in there. So mm-hmm. it's certainly, I mean, the colour range that we have has just evolved because mm-hmm. of our knitwear. I yeah, mean, it's just like. 
dad says, well, I need a something. I need a white that's not quite the such and such kind. And Murray Dancers was, was actually one. We needed a black that wasn't a black. And they were like, whoa, well, what do we do? So we'll put some collar in it. And then what do you cut? Oh, I don't know. So, and, uh, you know, so just, is it really just a case of you, you mark what you feel you've got the need for, or do you yeah. go with chains at all? We have got such a massive colour selection when it comes to the Fair mm. Isle now that we really don't to look at trend. Um, trend. We can see trend mm -hmm. appearing, but what's on the catwalk and in the sort of very, very high fashion this year in the UK will be in Japan next year. They very much look at what's happening in the UK mm -hmm. um, so, and the Japanese very much want to buy into that. And I mean, Japan has been a fantastic uh, customer to us. Oh. I mean, for 30, I was three when my mother got out to Japan first. And that was with SKTA, the Shetland Knitwear Trades Association, um, of which we had we were members of until the day it, it demised. Uh, you know, we and we, we've made a lot of... Uh, contacts out there at the time yeah. and you know we don't even we don't even really work with agencies out there now we just have customers that we can and and we we obviously we still uh, promote the knitwear a lot we do yeah. pdomo um in in florence every year and that's kind of the best menswear show mm -hmm. um and a lot of the lot of sort of foreign buyers comes into there and we're seeing more and more i mean we're, we're doing a lot of stuff out in the korea now mm -hmm. the korean markets really opening wow. up we took our first ever order for china Wow. Yeah. So what percentage do you uh, do you export then? Probably about 95%. Really? Wow. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I only get jumpers for the shop once a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, unfortunately, it is the case. I mean, we, we've we been very lucky this last sort of five or six years. We've been turning away work. It's mm -hmm. been so busy. Um, and we were, we're producing kind of 20-odd thousand garments a year sell it to the far east and i mean it's it's been good for us we, we can't complain oh, no. it's probably one of the reasons why we have a nice shiny new shop yes <laughs> so you know but it, it's it's a lot of work um um they're they're quite demanding customers uh, and, and i think everybody should be you don't get what you want if you don't ask for it um but also they're incredibly loyal um and they're incredibly nice people to deal with they've been fantastic for us um with the kind of the email as well that's been going up oh, and up and up yeah, the whole absolutely. time i've been here it's been like yeah, I, I, I you were described to me as 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 mail order girl extraordinaire. Like, if you know this, that's, that I do that. my best. Yes, I, I'll I second that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I reckon we're doing double this year than we were doing last year. Even honestly, yeah. I really think we are. Um, it goes up and up, and like last one one day this week, I just looked at the, the orders and went, "Huh." I had one for Estonia, one for Beijing, one for Norway one for Australia and all four corners of the UK. Wow. Yeah. And that was just one day. And then today I sent something to Korea. And so, no, today I sent something to Bahrain, which is a first. Oh. Oh. I really need to get a map. Do they, need, do they need wool in Bahrain? I don't think they do. But this lady wanted the wool for Bahrain, so that's fine. That's but, you know, it's, it's, it goes everywhere. We sent um, more to Russia than we have ever before. Mm. Which you know, it's it's, it's, it's unusual. Yeah. You, know, you don't expect it. Mm -hmm. My job started off being mainly shop. No, I'm mainly doing mail order. Mm -hmm. I really am doing. A I'm back and forth into the shop because after twelve, it's just me that's here. Mm -hmm. But um, I would be in. I would normally I try and get the mail order out before two o'clock because that's the last post. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't always. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, usually it's 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 basically two hours a day doing the shop work, and the rest of the time it's doing oh, no, mail it's, order. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, I mean, I I certainly can. We opened our first e-commerce site. I think it was 1999. I'm sure, it was. That was when we went e-commerce with a with a yarn, and I think that first year, oh. I can't mind. Did we sell maybe three thousand pounds worth of stuff? Out? <laughs> you know, and 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 no, it it just pales in insignificance in comparison to what we do now. And it's brilliant. I mean, we're very very lucky. We've got such a, a, a regular customer base. I think would be mm-hmm. the way to put it. We're a news shop, the the back shop bit, the bit that we get to see that tells us when people are repeat customers, mm-hmm. um, and it. I don't know how often well, it's not a repeat customer, yeah. you know, so we're really, really lucky yeah. like that. Too. We have a lot of repeats. Can you get all the uh, knitwear and the woven products online? No, unfortunately, that's the one thing we cannot put up is we're, we're knitwear, mm-hmm. mainly because this is sort of, we have such a massive selection, but we yeah. might only have one of them. Yeah. yeah. So that's why they've never been listed online. We we have always promised ourselves when we had time. I mean, this is something that we paid. We have one. Oh, I have not seen any. I've never seen this before, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I will never see it again. We the reason that we have such a good range in the shop, partly, is because we get if they're making a batch of something, we might they might make one or two yeah. extra, mm-hmm. and we get them. Yeah. So we have a huge range of stuff, but like Gary says, or you will have one and a 40 and three 46s. Yeah. But yeah. nothing in between. Yeah. Nothing in between. And also, I mean, it's, it could be left hours as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's probably a jumper that we made for somebody. We realised that we knitted one too many. Um, well, there's nothing wrong with the jumper. It's absolutely no. mm-hmm. perfect. Um, so one of the great things about having a couple of retail shops is we can just sell it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something we've always wanted to do is maybe tack a collar Y and knit a complete range of sizes and then put it on an online shop um, but it just time time yeah. time yeah. I planned on doing that this year but I yeah. think it'll be next year no. well your, your <laughs> tweet would run away we have the tweed squares oh, on yeah. there the yeah, back quarters that. and the three 12 inch squares mm-hmm. are on there but I mean I think Pretty much a lot of the tweet that gets made is what Brian wanted to do that day. <laughs> so it maybe yeah. doesn't happen again. Or, um, or Ross has gone, I just needs lavender and has done that. <laughs> but it just, yeah. that's mm-hmm. it. That, that will never be made again. So it's really hard to have that online. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we have stock tweet, but it's at the factory. And anybody ever phones and asks me about stock tweet, so you know what, you really need to just come and see what come we've got. Yeah. Which is great if they live in Shetland. But I, you know, yeah. and there's some people sooth that say, you know, I'm looking for something in a blue. Yeah. So, a, a, a herringbone or a checker or whatever. And we'll maybe have a couple of samples we can send down to them. And we do try, but it, it's unfortunately one of the things that's on just finding time to cover yeah. all that basis yeah. is very, very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> you go into the factory, it's great because you can go and you can get your tweed at whatever it is a metre and you can go yeah. and put your curtains up. The, these capes and everything are just fantastic. They mm. really are. There was a, a man that makes them. He actually based in Huddersfield or somewhere, isn't he? And, text, uh, good textile, yeah, heritage. yeah, good heritage. <laughs> um, and you know, he, we met him at um, the show we do in Ireland, the menswear show in Ireland. And he came on the stand. So I said, "Boy, you make this tweet. This is what I make." And and we sort of, he's a really, really nice man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of struck up a, almost a, a bit of a, a friendship, mm-hmm. more as a working relationship. And um, and yeah, we we put doing tweet to him to get made and he's quite willing to make wow you know and it is made in England yeah it's probably yeah. made in England it's all it's amazing yeah. really is it's very very in and tweets. timeless as well and very yeah and the new gloves that we're doing 
Um, the Chester oh. Jeffries gloves. That's a congregation um, oh. of oh my. these again, handmade in, in England. Hand sewn. Uh, sewn gloves. Yeah. Sean at Chester Jeffries is uh, He exhibits at Pete Yomon, and I've got to know him very well. Um, and uh, yeah. he started to make these uh, these backed gloves with a fair isle. He made a few prototypes. He, used, he does them with tweed on the back as well, but the fair isle works better. That looks, it, that's um, lovely. It actually opens when you close your fingers, mm-hmm. unlike the tweed, which we try to split. Mm. Um, so the knitted fabric works really good. So, yeah, that's, I, that's lovely that how the pattern goes <laughs> across yeah. the fingers. I love and that. And again, if you're somebody who knows about fair isle and stuff, it's straight. <laughs> pattern is, is consistent, yeah. straight, and the, it like the thumb follows. Um, that that's really <laughs> lovely. They're really well that's made. That's really yeah. lovely. Yeah. They're lovely gloves. As Jimmisons of Shetland are one of the partners of Wool Week, I had to, of course, ask if there was anything that they could tell us about Wool Week 2015, because you know I I do like to get you the good stuff. <laughs> But I thought it was worth mentioning that uh, Shetland Wool Week's programme is out very soon. I believe it's the 25th of May. Unless, like me, you bought a membership, in which case you get an earlier sneaky peek. The tickets aren't on sale yet, but they will be very soon. So keep your eye on shetlandwoolweek.com. We are doing the tour again. We're doing it twice this year because it sails out so fast every year. We're doing it on the Monday and the Wednesday. Um, so... Yeah, and I think I've been roped in to do a, f- a couple of talks in the evening as well, here in the tune. Again, just explaining what process and things. For far to kind of win it on the tour, obviously. Because I think that was one of the complaints last year, was there wasn't enough things to do at that- evening. I mean, obviously, I'm on the, on the sort of committee that they sort of said, well, we just kind of expected fuck maybe just to want time off. But apparently no. not. Yeah. Wool the way a drug addict wants yeah. drugs. It's just like full it's belt, absolutely everything they can exactly have. Right. That's yeah. actually quite accurate. Yeah, it was it crazy. Yeah. They've got Spicer Islesboro every single day, Good. which is just like, Good. I think there's coffee and cake and rooms to just sit and, and knit and yeah. yarn and, and just yeah. in, enjoy and just feel the atmosphere of the whole thing. I think there, there, we're getting such a, an amazing response for fucking. The feedback that came back uh, certainly last year um, was was really good and really constructive to kind of what was saying what really worked it and also no fair to say what maybe didn't work mm-hmm. and that's actually more important yeah. um, because yeah. yeah praise is fantastic and give yourself a pat on the back but actually being said Ken what transport was a nightmare to Sandwich mm-hmm. for example that was one of the things that, that came up so this year you know we're trying to trying to build that's that in but it's just growing arms and legs like, like overall there was a hundred percent positive feedback yeah. in the things. I mean, they were little niggles, but... Can't exactly. improve, you don't get to tell what you're doing wrong. I mean, like, the, the programme is action-packed this year. There is a lot going on, which is great. It's great. It looks, it's looking really good. Like, yeah. it, is, it is actually. I mean, Selena came on. She basically... I think she'd been in the job about a week before Wool Week last year. We just got the funding yeah. in place for our prostgrad, um, and she was just in place. And I, th- I think she... <laughs> poor last, she was just thrown completely into the deep end. She was like, oh, my God, look at all these people. Yeah. And they're all super duper enthusiastic you know, and and I think that took her aback but she totally rose to the challenge you know? she's so good at her job yeah she's she she's done really really well I can't appraise the last enough and I mean she really has and she's pulled out all the stops and the, the programme she's not fair to shout at us when we've no tell her what we need to tell her <laughs> really that's great yeah I like that's people really, hassling me that's awesome that's we've seemed to manage to get the flock book on board this year and they're going to try and make a bigger thing of the flock book sale which is good. super duper unique um, and I think it's one of these things that a lot of folk maybe doesn't quite realise how unique it is for Shetland ever. 
Again, that kind of a, a premium fleece, if you will, or a premium breed. Yeah. It gives some indication of uh, how a crofter can can sort of breed to produce something made as just meat, which unfortunately, yeah. I mean, Shetland wool is really a byproduct. It's actually been classified as the government as a byproduct. Wool is now officially a byproduct, which is horrific in my opinion. <laughs> it's book. a horrible In product. fact, when the vet that came to um, the to go to look at what a facility for keeping the wool in. Um, you know, he, he sort of came in and announced himself and told me it was a byproduct, and I very nearly shot in the door. I was like, How dare you come in here and tell me my livelihood is a, is a byproduct? Um, he's doing his job, and, and they came and they looked at what we were doing and, and how we had it set up. And there was a few changes to be made to come up to scratch with the new protocols and stuff that came in. Mm -hmm. But it has been, it's officially a, a, a byproduct. It's a terrible thing. And unfortunately, in, in crofting terms, it really is because. People breed sheep for meat, you know, because yeah, that's where the real money is. Yeah. Um, and not that that's very much either. Well, no, <laughs> his good years and bad years. However, you know, wool and certainly, I mean, we've we've paid a lot more for fleece over the last few years. It was it was really gotten very much into doldrums, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it, something had to be done, and, and we sort of started to push the price, um, and I'm blind to say we we pay, I think we doubled the price in a year. Mm -hmm. One year we paid like 60 pence a kilo for it, the next year we were paying like a pound 80 a kilo. Wow. There And there it sat for like the last four, 20 years. And I'm glad to say that their wool brokerage in Shetland it followed suit and they, and they kept coming. And it's meant that we've, you know, the crofter in, in Shetland is actually getting a reasonable amount of money for their wool now. Mm -hmm. It was coming to the stage where Fox was just burning it, leaving yeah. it in the crew. I mean, okay. it, it was getting to the stage where it, something had to be done. We had a right to, you know really pull our socks up or look at the whole industry and how it was going to go. I always knew Jimson's of Shetland was a family affair, but I didn't really appreciate fully that cohesiveness and that tight-knit connection is what makes them so special and makes the company so special. It was really fantastic to hear how Gary, and Lizzie too, spark with genuine enthusiasm and warmth for the jobs that they do and I don't think the company would have lasted so long or be so successful without that all hands to the pump um, we're all in this together attitude. It makes Shetland wool from Shetland even more sort of prestigious in a way when it's produced with that kind of, of uh, commitment and I think you'll agree with me that it's really lovely to hear that enthusiasm and and as Lizzie goes on to say in this next piece, they are a very special team. I mean, you can kind of see from what Gary's saying why there aren't very many places that go from raw material to finished product in-house. No. You need a special group of people who can actually do it. Yeah, you really do. Yeah, and I think, that's, I think that's the key, and I think that's why it's been going for five generations. And do you think <laughs> well, it'll go for the sixth? I have two pretty lasses, and they're only two and four, so I'll, do, I'll just I'll hand me judgment for a year or two yet. No, I... No. It's never too early to get them appreciating no. wool. And I mean, I, I, I really... It was not something that my family ever pushed me to. Mm -hmm. um, they never once said, Kane, what about working in the mill? Um, it was just something that we never, ever spoke about. Um, so it was, yeah, it was just a choice. Yeah. It was a choice, entirely my choice. I'm willing to maybe say my father maybe wasn't relieved when somebody <laughs> said, when you just have to work till he died. Um, we might do that anyway, Ken and him. But, you know, he's, yeah, he's, uh, he, he is actually currently upstairs uh, 
while uh, uh, penting and, and fixing a wah in our store. So, Ken, I mean, he, and we, we will be here till midnight tonight because he's got me working with him tonight. So. It's hilarious. You'll get all you get these kind of glamorous tourists coming in, and Peter wanders in in this holy old jumper with something in his hair and grease all over his hands and a boiler suit. And I'm like, yeah, that's the that's the um, CEO and handyman. Yeah, I, I I'm just the slave. So if anybody ever asks me what I do, I say I'm the slave because I do literally whatever job whoever couldn't make their work that day isn't a doing that's what yeah, I ended up do it. I spent the last two days cleaning my store clearing up in my store <laughs> Gan's store was a bomb site. it's getting better now so it, uh, yeah. but no I mean that's maybe one of the reasons why it why it works for Wiz anyway is the fact that any of us can do any job um, we can maybe no I can't do it as well as what the people who do it every day does. I'll never say I can, but I know how to switch on every machine. How's about that for a while? <laughs> and also, yeah, clearing up the store. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whose name's above the door. The store needs to yeah. up. Go and get on with it again. And right, that's right. always been what what attitude towards any of it. And if it's then the worst job in the world, like clearing out a drain that's blocked and stuff like this. Generally speaking, it'll be me and Dad drains up one day. And yeah, and that's that's kind of where ethos no, the whole line. No need to go back to the floor because you're on the floor and you're we're, on the, we're in on, the office and you're I everywhere. I think that's sometimes what sort of some of these really big fancy department stores we sell to in Japan can understand. Massive, huge. They've got a, a store that Max Harrods look like a, a Harry's. Um, you know, it's and. and they're, they can't understand why dads no answer their email within 20 minutes. It's because he's up to the yeah. up to <laughs> here in a, in, a, in a machine, you know, yeah. because can what the blinder's broken. And that means we're not making yarn, so we got to fix that yeah, blinder, we'll that. and we have to fix that right now. There were Japanese buyers here a few months ago, and they were completely baffled by the fact that um, <laughs> Mr. Peter kept on going by carrying bits of machinery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because had, he has something he has to fix. We had a, a visit for a, for a buyer one time, just out of the blue, he was actually in Shetland on holiday, um, a buyer for a big big company in Japan, and we were actually installing one new boiler that day. And there was a man with a crane lifting it in the door and we're on nine scaffolding buttons and this, oh, hi! <laughs> we're just absolutely covered in in, uh, in boiler stuff. Um, you know, and it's, yeah, we, we, I, we enjoy that. That's actually quite... One of the bits that we Why, really enjoy about it. I've not been since this one job. No. And actually, that's one of the great things in the f- working in a factory. If you work at the same machine all day, every day, there is nothing more boring. It's inherently boring working in a factory. It's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can't have to do five jobs in that factory and something different needs, then you need to go and wash hanks for a day. It's just a break. Yeah, can you just yeah. go and do something? Survive. It's a different piece of cre- concrete to stand on, if nothing else. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I think that's... That's kind of important as well. Yeah. Keeps everybody keeps everybody moving. Definitely. Keep it jovial. <laughs> Quite right. Thank you so much to Gary Jimison and Lizzie Ratter for letting British into Jimison's of Shetland, for letting me squee over all the yarn and uh, knitwear and woven goods and for showing us exactly why Jimison's of Shetland is a unique business and uh, given us that little insight into into the business. As Gary said, not all of their knitwear and woven items are online, but they do have an extensive amount of wool online as well as their fat quarters of the woven uh, cloth. And you can find all that at www.jimisonsofshitland.co.uk. They're also on Facebook and have a group on Ravelry. 
again, thanks so much for for allowing us to understand that enthusiasm and giving us that insight into what goes into producing Shetland wool from Shetland. I could have spent a lot longer there and uh, asked a lot more questions. Thanks, thanks so much to them for their hospitality. I will be back next weekend with all the regular things and more. Till then, take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Knit British Podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me louise at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British. And I'm on Ravelry as Lyra. You can listen to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher Radio and knitbritish.net. Thank you.